Welcome to Sales is Not a Dirty Word, the show that proves if it's a fit, it's a fact. I'm your host, revolutionary sales coach, Alicia Barr, the creator of the Matchmaker Sales Method. If you're a solopreneur who's ready to grow your profits and impact without pain, pressure, or pretending to be someone else, then this is for you. This episode is about using the power of your voice to emotionally connect with people with John Henney. John Henney has decades of experience coaching professional voice users at corporate businesses, the U.S. military, sports announcers, voiceover and performing artists to become more effective communicators. He's a featured lecturer at top voice conferences and institutions, including IVTOM, Osborne Head and Neck Institute, VIP Worldwide Voice Conference, the Paul McCartney Liverpool Institute, and USC. John is the author of three Amazon best-selling books, hosts the popular podcast, The Intelligent Vocalist, with over 500,000 downloads and 300 plus episodes, and has 130,000 subscribers with 14 million views on YouTube. He's also a seasoned online course creator with an extensive library of training courses for the betterment of professional voice users. Let's go. Welcome to the big show. Sales is not a dirty word. Thank you for having me. Um, the voice is absolutely a big part of sales. Indeed, um, indeed. I mean, obviously on the phone, when there's no other context, the voice is crucial, but it's also crucial when they can see you, right? It is. And that was put to the test a few years ago. Researchers at Yale took, I think it was over 1700 subjects. Wow. And they wanted to see their empathetic understanding of the other person, how well they could understand what the other person was feeling. And they tried it a few different ways. And in one set of tests, they could only see the other person. So it was all body language. And then they could both see and hear the person. And then finally, it was voice only. They either turned out the lights or put some barrier between the two subjects. And in the voice only, the empathetic understanding went up. And what they found is the voice is the carrier of emotion. And there is so much information being carried in your voice. And if we don't pay attention to our voice, if we just take it for granted, we may be missing out on connecting with others on a deeper level. That is so fascinating. And also a little bit scary because people are just running around, not knowing anything about how to make their voices sound better. And probably their emotions are leaking out all over the place. And whether the person who's receiving the voice in their ear consciously picks up on it or subconscious, subconsciously, usually it's subconsciously, I think, right? It is, it is, but it could also be pretty forward. When you were listening to a great speaker, you can feel yourself becoming entranced and you can feel this speaker control what you're feeling and, and to get you excited at the right moments and then to have you pull back and think. It really is like, like leading an orchestra and a great speaker is like a great musician and they have either worked on it or they intuitively understand the elements of music and sound to connect with others and they, they bring music into their voice. 
Yes. We talked about this some before. Um, you were saying that you think that language is actually what gives us a connection to music, right? Yeah. It's, it's really interesting because they don't know really which came first, whether we, from our earliest utterances, um, began to sing to communicate or speak, but they certainly developed alongside of each other. And a lot of how we construct music, they think comes from how sound is, uh, exists in harmonic uh, sequences, overtones, but also it comes from language and even how we relate to music. Um, we hear certain chords as happy and other chords as sad. Well, why do we hear sadness or happiness in that? It's because it mirrors vocal inflections. Oh, my dog's not feeling very well. Hey, I just got a promotion. So it's, we will use intervals that we connect with happiness and sadness. And then this gives us the same feelings when we listen to music and, and speech and music, they're interconnected. Great speech is great music. That is so fascinating. Um, and you were saying that there are some practices that are musical practices that will actually make you better at speaking. Cause I'm sure everybody here is like, oh my God, well, how do I, how do I have a better voice? Right? Yeah. And what I encourage people to do, I call it pretending you're in the world's worst musical and you <laughs> go somewhere where you can feel safe. No one's going to hear you. And if you have to talk about something, give a presentation, go ahead and sing it. And I mean, be really silly with it and really free. Don't be judgmental. Go back to when you were a child and you sang all the time and let your voice just have fun. And then go back and just say it, but let some of that music carry over and see if you don't have more melody and more contour in your voice and more changes of tone and even tempo. And you'll find that this is actually a bit more fun. And when you start employing music in your voice, you're more interesting to listen to. Great singers have devices in order to constantly reawaken interest. Because in music, and certainly in, in more popular music, we are repeating sections of a song. We will have a repeated verse, and then we will repeat choruses. And mm -hmm. singers know that since they're repeating the information, they need to make little changes. So they'll be singing along and then on a certain word, they will hesitate or they'll sing with a slightly different tone or maybe turn the melody slightly. So it goes up when you expect it to go down. And all of these are little devices that keep reawakening, reawakening your attention. And you experience this when you say, take a song you really like and you hear one person sing it and it's, eh, they have a nice voice, but doesn't really move you versus a singer that connects with you where they can make you feel joy or they can leave you in an emotional puddle with the same song. What are they doing differently? And there are clues there and the clues that are there and the devices that are there are available to speakers as well. Yeah, something that this were might 
the listeners might even grasp onto anymore is the delivery. It's like how you're delivering it, right? Are you delivering it with certain tone inflections and pauses? And those things make something so much more powerful. And I know a lot of times in sales conversations, people talk about tone. And I always say, if somebody's too worried about their tone in a conversation, they're not going to be present and it's going to come off really weird. So we were saying like, would you say in the instance of those singers that can move someone, is it because they're really feeling it or are they actually artificially manufacturing it on a conscious level? So many great singers will use a technique that great actors use, and it's choosing emotional intention. And emotional intention is more powerful because it's active. So let's say a singer. It has to sing a, a ballad about a, a relationship that's not going well. Rather than just taking this passive approach of I'm going to be sad, which is this flat, one-dimensional, uh, emotional approach that's likely not going to work, they will instead say, you know, in this section of the song, I am going to rebuke. And then in this section of the song, I'm going to plead. And in this section of the song, I'm going to reveal. And when you're, when you're using these intentions, suddenly you're no longer trying to manufacture something, but the actual act of this intention brings forth emotions that can be supported and show up in the voice. For example, if you have to lead a sales call and you have to talk about a new budget or projections, Rather than thinking, all right, I'm going to be excited. No, you go in and you're going to say, no, you know what? I'm going to inform. I'm going to inspire. I'm going to teach. And when you really have that strong intention, that will begin to show up in your voice. And, those, and that will begin to vibrate honest, emotional intention within you. And we know that the voice is the carrier of this and that people were pretty darn good at, at reading others, especially if you're in sales, if you're in business, part of your job is reading other people. And so you're listening. You may not realize it, but you are, your ear has been trained to listen to people on a deeper level than the average person. And you are picking up on these cues, whether you know it or not and others are picking up on yours. So if you've got these really good intentions, you're going to have a better chance of connecting. Yeah, it kind of all adds up to what we call the vibe. Their yeah. vibe was just off, or I loved their vibe. And it makes sense that the voice is such an enormous part of that vibe. And that's something that I hope helps everyone. You can just focus your intention to be helping the person or curious or um, an expert guide. And you don't have to overthink it. It just sort of naturally follows. But there is a prompt that most salespeople <laughs> end up trying to do that you told me earlier doesn't work. And I mean, I know it doesn't work, but I'd love for you to explain why. Why just being excited and enthusiastic or high energy doesn't work in sales? Because that's what so many people think they have to act like. Because if this high energy is 
just being manufactured and it's not really coming from a true place, if there's no intention behind it, then people who are cued in and make their living by reading others, they, they sniff that out really quickly. And you can tell when a speaker is in front of you and they're manufacturing excitement and, and you can just tell, we can, it's amazing. But actors, when you see a poor actor that's not really connected in their performance, everyone can pick up on it. You don't need to be an expert on acting to pick out bad acting. And it's the same. We, we as social animals, we are so cued in with each other. And again, these weren't professional speakers that they used in this study. These were just random people. And through the voice, they were able to tell what the, other, the others were thinking. And in the same study, they spoke of a panel of judges. And they had people just say 10 random words, the same 10 random words. And now these judges were more expert, but just from those 10 words, they were able to pretty accurately figure out that person's station in life and how educated they were and how successful they were. It's, it's actually a bit frightening when you realize that as you're talking, how much information is being put out into the world. So I just say, look, you don't have to study like you're a singer. This is not a long process, but it does begin with just some awareness of the importance and power of your voice. Yes, I, I can imagine that some people are just going to be generally freaked out and not know what to do hearing this. Um, but you mentioned that there were some ways to find your optimal speaking pitch. So people don't realize it, but a lot of the times, like they're not in their optimal speaking pitch and that's what makes them not like their voice when they hear it, right? Yeah, well, that that's an interesting one because I get asked this a lot. And the reason you don't like your voice, there, there could be a couple of reasons. One is maybe you're not using your voice to its optimal level. But the other is when you're speaking, the sound waves are moving away from you. They're, they're, they're huh. leaving you. And so you're kind of hearing them secondhand. You're hearing them off reflection. It's like if someone turned their back to you and started talking. You're not going to hear them the same as if they were facing you and the sound waves are coming directly to your ear. So nature makes up for this by conducting a certain amount of sound through bones in your skull to your ears. But bone conduction is not perfect. Bone conduction favors certain frequencies of your voice over others, and it tends to favor lower frequencies. And so your voice may sound a little richer and more resonant to you. And then when you hear the recording, it can be a bit jarring. So first you have to get used to what your voice sounds like to others, and then just know that you can make changes in your voice to sound better. And it's not a long, arduous process. Please, please share it with us, John. How? Well, so for instance, we all instinctively know that a deeper voice tends to carry more authority. And so what we will often do is we will try and drive our voices deeper. 
But as I get my voice deeper, there's less acoustic energy. So if I'm going to be heard in a room, I have to just squeeze my vocal cords together a little bit harder. And that can cause issues. But if I just learn to use the resonances of my vocal tract, and I'll show you, I'm going to talk on the same pitch. So I'm going to talk on this pitch right here. But as I'm talking, I'm going to raise my larynx and I'm going to make my vocal tract shorter and shorter. It sounds like I'm speaking higher, but it's the same pitch. And now I'm going to start to drop my larynx and change my vocal tract. And now my voice sounds richer and more resonant. It was the same pitch the whole time. Sounds like a totally different pitch. Yeah. And because your vocal tract, your throat and your mouth, and without going into the weeds of the science, because it's, it's kind of mind-blowing. But essentially, when you emit these sound waves that your, that your vocal cords are coming together and buzzing like your trumpet player's lips, it is the interaction of these sound waves through your vocal tract that really give us the true sound of your voice. And if you set this up in an optimal way, your voice is going to sound great. You're going to sound like you. Right? I can't make you sound like Morgan Freeman but you're going to sound like a great version of you. And you don't need to try and force your voice into being something it isn't. You just need to learn where it works best. And then just some musical devices, especially when you're up and you're having to, to give a talk or a public speech, just some devices that you know can help capture and keep the listener's interest. So... You have you said like you just need to find out your optimal pitch, but how do they know it's their optimal pitch? Yeah, so a little exercise that you can do, and everyone listening can try this. Just go like you're agreeing with something and say, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. Now on that inflection up, what I want you to do is is just place your hands just by your nose and your mouth. So what I'm doing is I'm just making a little circle around my nose and mouth with my, with my hands. So I'm kind of isolating that space. And now as I feel that slide up, I want you to feel where that's vibrating the most. Mm-hmm. Oh, there it is for me. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. There it is for me. Try that for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There it was. Yeah, it was in the same spot as yours. Is it always in the same spot? It's not in the same spot for everyone, but you'll okay. feel, mm, and you can slide up and down. And I'll notice if I go lower, mm, it's not as buzzy. And then if I go up, mm, it's not as buzzy mm -hmm. high. Mm, oh, there it is right there. There's a spot right in the middle. And then from that place, say something enthusiastic. Mm -hmm, yes, that's right. Absolutely. That is likely to be your optimal speaking pitch. And when you're on your optimal speaking pitch, you can be heard much easier and your voice is going to carry and you don't have to work as hard. And it's more pleasant to people's ears. It is. It is. Now, I will say with your voice, you speak at your optimal pitch and, and you and I know we, we talked about this. I don't know if you shared on the podcast, but you do enjoy singing and <laughs> And you talk about that, how you walk around and sing. And I think that really helps your speaking voice. You have a wonderful speaking voice and it's incredibly expressive. And, it's, and I'm sure your listeners will agree it's very pleasant to listen to. Your connection to singing and music is evident in your speaking. And I'm just going to get up on my soapbox for a second. But long ago, 
when we traveled in very small groups. We communicated through singing. It was an, an important part of people's everyday lives. A hundred years ago, most homes had a piano that could afford it. That was the family entertainment and everyone got around and sang. Then came the recording industry. Then came the class of professional singers and we all went, well, they sing and I don't. And we've lost this in our lives. And I think it's just evident in listening to people's speaking voices. We've lost the music in our voices. And I, I think it's important to recapture that without judgment, but just the singing is good for you. It's good for your health and the vibrations, they are psychologically beneficial to feel these vibrations of your voice. And you need to fall in love with your voice and recognize the importance and the power of your voice. That's so interesting. I love the soapbox. I mean, I was telling you, um, you know, I, I basically do live in the worst musical ever. I'm making songs up constantly about, you know, cooking or my daughter or going to sleep or whatever. Um, I don't know why, but I'm glad that it's had this. <laughs> I'm so glad about this double benefit I didn't know about. Um, so even if people feel like they're bad singers, if you want to have a nice voice, you need to sing sometimes, at least once a day, would you say? Yeah, and and doing some singing, you know, when I when I work with clients, I will use modifications of singing exercises. And not to give them this wide range, but when they start tapping into the efficiency of the breath to the vocal folds or vocal cords to the resonance, and they start to feel what these higher energies of resonance are like and experience them, their voices change and their relationship to the voice change. Your voice will get stronger. And look, as we get older, muscles tend to atrophy, yeah. right? Ligaments, things begin to stiffen and your voice is no different. And if the voice is just left to fall prey to the ravages of time, you can begin to lose the beauty of your voice. But the great thing is, is if you just spend a few minutes a day working on your voice and keeping it strong and just follow some simple vocal health guidelines, your voice will last your life. So what are the top three mistakes that people usually make with their voice? Since it sounds like, I mean, especially when you were saying that people could say, could tell from someone's voice what their station was in life. Seems like there might be some mistakes that everybody's accidentally falling into from birth. It's like conditioned into us almost. One of the big mistakes that I find is really that optimal speaking pitch. Mm. And yes, you can speak a little too high for your, but that doesn't tend to be the issue. It's usually people speaking too low. And this also gets into, and I get asked this question about vocal fry. And vocal fry is that kind of speech where the voice is kind of cracky. Mm. Um, it tends to be more prevalent in younger speakers, uh, younger female speakers. And mm. it's not that vocal fry is in and of itself bad or that it's harmful for your voice, but if it becomes habitual, and you're often in vocal fry. When you need your voice to carry and to have more energy and to really hold attention, vocal fry doesn't have a lot of acoustic energy. And so if you're here 
The only way to make that louder is to start to squeeze. Now you can set yourself up for some vocal health issues by the vocal folds hitting together too hard. Um, and you also lose, because so much is in the resonance and the fullness of your voice, you also lose some of your vocal fingerprint and some of the uniqueness and the emotional carrier qualities of your voice. Um, the other thing I, I see, I think that is a, can be a mistake is when people have to speak in front of an, a crowd, they'll initially be nervous and will often just speak too fast. And so mm -hmm. we're rushing along, rushing along. And then somebody maybe comes up and says, Hey, you might want to slow down a little bit, or maybe you realized you were too fast. So then the next time we're just, it's painful. It's so slow <laughs> and measured. And what you want is you want a combination. When I want to build up excitement and I'm leading up to a point, I'm going to get a little faster and then I'm going to pull back. And when you slow down, suddenly there's, you reawaken attention and they, and suddenly they're like, Oh, what are you going to say? You're setting up expectations and then not always delivering on them. When your voice becomes rote, when your voice becomes predictable, when your voice becomes sing-songy and you know what that song is, like three blind mice that's a hard song to sing and capture anyone's attention with no matter how good you are attention will wander and the third mistake is just not taking care of the voice the voice needs hydration you've got to stay properly hydrated and when the voice has thick mucus on it it's like putting peanut butter in your car's engine your vocal cords are opening and closing hundreds of times a second if you are doing an all-day seminar, your vocal cords may open and close upwards of a million times a day. And if you've got this thick mucus on them, it is impacting your ability to phonate, to make sound, and also you're gonna feel the need to violently clear your throat, which is going to irritate your vocal folds because you're just banging them together with force, uh, which we don't have the nerve endings in there to feel the pain, but you're hurting them and they'll start to swell, which is then gonna make your voice go lower and you're gonna, it's gonna be harder to be heard, so you're gonna squeeze them more. So it, it really is just understanding how to take care of your voice. Okay, so most people are talking too low because it thinks it, they think it makes them sound authoritative. Yeah, and look, as, as I showed, if I speak here, if my vocal tract is too high, yeah, I sound too high, but if I just bring out the lower frequencies in my voice, there's plenty of depth without me having to speak down here. Yeah, that almost sounds creepy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, speaking too low also will create sort of um, a lack of richness and emotion, a predictable. It'll make it sound very predictable and people's attention wander often if you're not in your optimal pitch or using devices like tempo and pause and range so we have our optimal pitch so if mine mm -hmm, is here i don't want to talk here all the time because that gets very boring if i'm at one pitch but then from there that's kind of my home base and so as i'm making a point my voice can go up my voice can go down i can use devices such as legato which in music means connected right mm. so if i'm talking and it's kind of disjointed that can be a little jarring but 
with like a singer, I start to connect everything and there's a flow. It could become easier to follow what it is that I'm saying. And there's, and that flow can help just bring in attention. Singers use legato all the time. And so as I'm speaking, it's kind of all one unbroken sound. Of course, there are certain consonants that aren't voiced where the voice stops working for a fraction of a second, but that sense of legato, it starts to bring in music. And the more music there is, the more pleasant you are to listen to. Yeah. Okay. And then the third mistake is Health. just another reason to stay hydrated. Yeah. Stay hydrated. <laughs> Get proper sleep. If you have a big presentation, don't, don't go to a bar, consume alcohol, talk too loud in a really loud environment, and only get four hours of sleep. Your voice is going to be shot the next day. I have, I work with artists on tour and the singers, they almost feel ostracized from other band members because the drummer and the bass player can go to the pub after the gig mm -hmm. and they can shout and they can, they can show up a little wrecked, but the, but the singer has to, after the gig, has to go back, maybe do some cool downs with the voice, go to a quiet place, make sure they get as much sleep as possible, watch their diet, keep their water intake, uh, watch the alcohol intake. It's, it, you, can't, you have to live a bit like a monk. And your voice, look, if you're in business for yourself, if you're an entrepreneur, so much of your livelihood is riding on these two little pieces of soft tissue the size of your thumbnail and the health of these two little pieces of soft tissue. And if your voice is suffering, your business may suffer. I mean, that makes sense. If somebody's talking to somebody, they're like, I just don't like the feeling I got from them. It makes me not want to work with them. And you could have the, you could be an incredibly attractive person, which always helps with sales, um, male or female. But if you had a very strange voice, it would absolutely hurt the sale, like a smoker's voice. Or, or just a dull voice. Yeah. Right? Amazingly so you walk fun. in and here's this impeccably dressed, really nice looking person. And so you're already just starting to think like, okay, I think this, this person looks put together. I think they like them. You know, and then they start to talk and it's like, okay, and it's just this dull and it, you know, and there's no, there's, there's nothing vibrating from within and those internal vibrations and those emotions and that, that truth that you need to connect to people with your truth and your ability to help others. You can't help them if you don't connect with them. And if the voice is not the outward extension of what you feel inside and your passion inside, you just put yourself at a bit of a disadvantage. And as we know in business, we need every edge we can get. And the, the voice is a huge edge that many others are missing. I don't think anyone's thinking about it. <laughs> there and are some, there are some, and there's starting to be a bit more awareness about this, but yeah, it's still pretty untapped. It really is. Well, you have such a wealth of knowledge, John, and it's fascinating. I know that it, you're, a, you can just tell that you're a master at this. You have done it for years and years and years, and it shows. So thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing some of that with us because it's very interesting and also functional. I really hope that everybody implements some of the things that we talked about today. Thank you so much for having me. I truly enjoyed it. 
Okay. So can you tell everyone how they can find out more about you and how they could work with you? Yeah. So my main website is johnhenny.com, J-O-H-N-H-E-N-N-Y. And for speakers, I have compellingspeaker.com. And you do private coaching for speaking. I do. I have, I have my compelling speaker, speaker formula course uh, that you can get. And I also work one-on-one with clients. If anybody wants to improve their voice, I have never met an expert quite like John Haney. So please go check him out. And this has been the sales is not a dirty word podcast, where we show you how to convert up to 80% of your sales meetings without pressure, pitching, or pretending to be someone else. And if you think that there might be some ways that you can improve your sales process, book a quick fix sales meeting, and I will identify the top three ahas that you can take and immediately implement to increase your sales. So thank you so much for listening and I'll see you all next time.